When I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by the Silver Screen and Roll Network. I am Jacob, joined as always by Christian. Christian, this this quarantine is dragging on now. Um, I miss I miss regular life. Yeah, I same. Like I didn't go outside before, and I I regret it a lot because I just not that you can't go outside. Like obviously you can go and take a walk. Um, but I think I've taken outside for granted and I've taken people for granted. Like I'd always do a curbside pickup for food and like basically <laughs> what everybody's doing now, I just did in my day to day. And now I wish I was, I just went outside more. So yeah, it's definitely tough. And it's even harder when you don't have um, like basketball to, to distract you. But luckily animal crossing came out and um <laughs> I'm gonna try to to juggle that and and this podcast at the same time. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> the uh, I I know or I remember listening to a podcast last week where somebody said they were a little embarrassed as to how little this uh, lockdown had changed their re- daily routine, which is kind of how I was. I didn't I work from home, so I I was only leaving the house in the evenings to go cover sports and whatnot and. Like you said, even when I wasn't leaving, we had sporting events to put on to distract us. And I'm running out of things to watch on Netflix. This week, this past week, I watched Tiger King, the documentary series. I don't know if you've watched it. I have not. It is absolute insanity. I cannot recommend this enough. Like, the premise of it is kind of weird. It's like following this uh exotic zoo director but they go into a deep dive about like exotic zoos and certain people and it is one of the craziest documentaries i've ever seen it's a series i think it's six episodes i can't i cannot recommend it enough it was wild i binge watched well it took it was across two days but i binged the whole thing immediately after listening to this podcast go start that series because it was a ton of fun if you haven't already but i'm very quickly running out of movies i've watched about every comedy special netflix has um i'm running out of things to uh to watch we're gonna we're gonna slowly enter this period where we'll literally have exhausted the entire netflix and hulu libraries and uh we're gonna need them to start releasing new stuff but contrary to how we started we're not here for netflix movie recommendations or Uh, are we well maybe at the start (laughs) um we had a lot of fun doing the rewatchables uh podcast on game seven last week if you didn't hear that go give that a listen um so we're gonna do another one we found uh on league pass we found it's game four of the 2000 finals um probably more commonly known as the, the game that Kobe Bryant took over in overtime against the Pacers. Um, It was a game I hadn't watched probably since it actually happened. Not the whole thing. I'd seen the highlights. Christian, I think you said you were four when this game uh, aired live, so I doubt you watched it. 
<laughs> I honestly, I might have even been three because I was born in September, and this uh-huh. game happened. I'm guessing yeah. <laughs> if the NBA hasn't the ch- schedule hasn't changed drastically since then in June. Um, so yeah, it's it's a little while ago. Um, I don't remember it. I, it's it's really a shame though because when I tell people. The Lakers have won five championships in my lifetime. I only remember two of them. <laughs> and the Orlando Magic Series was such a bore um, that even like even when it was on, it was kind of just background noise to me. The Boston Series is the first basketball series in general I just remember being heavily invested in. So I told... Hair or hair, I'm sorry. I gave you a heck of a compliment. Uh, I told Christian this story um, <laughs> before before we went live, but I don't remember if it was specifically this game of the series. But obviously, for those who don't know, I live in Indiana, so this was like for nine year old Jacob. This was a massive, massive <laughs> NBA Finals. All the bragging rights were on the line. Um, but I was at a summer camp during this the this week of June. I, I can't remember when in June. June 14th. Um, so I watched the first two games, I believe. And I was going to miss these games. Um, and it was like a summer camp in the middle of the woods. Like, no cell phones weren't a thing. Like, you're shut off from everything for a week. Um, at some point during that week... The camp counselor that was in our um, cabin found out that I was a Laker fan. Um, so one night, one, when one of the games was on, um, we lights were out, everybody's in bed, and he comes over and just taps me on the on my shoulder and kind of waves me over to the door, and we go outside, and he has one of these enormous at the time it was like revolutionary technology but it was enormous like handheld portable television with like a huge antenna to try to get signal and we walked around a little bit got signal for this game and or the game and we watched i believe the fourth quarter of the game um that's my lasting memory from that i remember bits and moments from the series um, but yeah, this was the first time I'd went back and watched this game. Um, was there anything you remember? I mean, I, I'm sure you watch highlights. I'm not that from that moment, but I guess what, was there anything you remembered about this game before we kind of rewatched it? Yeah. I don't remember a whole lot about being three. Um, yeah. I imagine just a lot of power Rangers and, um, like some star Wars here and there. Um, I, watched I mean, a lot did of you remember clues. this as, like, the, the Kobe uh, kind of takeover game? Is that the only kind of thing you knew about this game? Oh, uh, yeah, because Kobe Bryant had so many, like, legendary games where he just, it, it kind of epitomized his entire um, being of a folk hero, like, if yeah. you will. Like, it's just, there, there are so many outrageous Kobe Bryant games that, you know, you you hear something like Kobe Bryant fouled out, and then Co- or sorry, Shaq fouled out, and then Kobe Bryant took over. It's like, of course he did. Like, I don't. Mm-hmm. You're probably right. I'm not going to fact check you on that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. This uh, was yeah this this was definitely um one of the very early games though I think of 
the legend of Kobe Bryant. Maybe, I mean, unless I'm forgetting one, this was probably the the first one. Yeah. Um, and it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, I was trying to look. Kobe, at the time of this game, actually went a year ahead. So he was 21 years old. Is that right? That seems uh, even... Yeah. That seems even younger than I thought. Yeah, he was 21 years... 296 days, so just a couple months shy of turning 22 um, and taking over an NBA Finals game. It was it was wild. Um, so we'll jump in, kind of set the scene for the for everyone. I had a lot of free time, so there are a lot of notes I have, and I have I have a section that I think is going to uh, kind of blow your mind later. Um, so there's your teaser for that. But set the table. Um, Lakers come into this season. Kind of on a, a string of playoff failures. Um, it was a team that, with Kobe and Shaq, is, is uh, Kobe is improving and Shaq's kind of entering his prime that people had a lot of expectations for. And they had struggled. Um, everybody knows about Kobe's air balls in the playoffs. Um, but they had made the playoffs five years in a row before that, and they'd only made the conference finals once. Um, so the year prior, they fired Del Harris, uh, Bill Burka was the interim for a year, and then Kurt Rambis actually led the team to a 24-13 and 13 record, um, which I would imagine it has to be the basis on every one of his coaching jobs after that. Uh, but I, I read an interesting piece uh, kind of researching this, he wasn't hired because they thought the players didn't respect him and weren't listening to him. Um, so they brought in Phil Jackson, who they rightfully did respect. <laughs> um, Phil immediately, obviously, puts in the triangle. They bring in a whole bunch of guys, uh, Ron Harper, Brian Shaw, both guys who ran the triangle. They bring back an old A.C. Green. I believe he was 36 years old um, at the time of this game. Um, he was kind of the nominal starter. He started uh, both halves, but it was Robert Ory who basically was the four. And this team hit the ground running. They started 31-5 and five after a 16-game winning streak. They had a bit of a, ro- a rocky patch, and then they won 19 games in a row. Um, they went 67-15. and 15. Nobody else won more than 59 games on the season. Um, so by far the best team in the league. And then uh, things got a little wild in the playoffs. First round, uh, it was back when they had five-game first rounds. They went to five games against Sacramento, uh, but the Kings laid an enormous egg in game five and shot 33% from the field. This was a really good defensive Lakers team. Um, Game five, the Kings shoot 33% from the field. The Lakers win going away. No word on if the Kings blamed the refs for that one or not. Um, Second round, they just destroyed Phoenix in five games. Game five of that series, uh, the Lakers scored 87 points and won by 22. Phoenix (laughs) had 65 points in a regulation game. They shot 28% from the field. No starter for the Suns had more than eight points. That... That is an ugly, ugly game. 
Um, it, it's not like that team was super bad either. I mean, Jason that, Kidd was. They had a right. lot of play- yeah. They, it was Penny Hardaway, Kidd, uh, young Sean Marion, Clifford Robinson, Luke Longley. Uh, that they got obliterated. Um, and then we all remember the Portland series, especially the Game Seven. Um, they finally get over that hump, get to the finals. Pacers were a far less exciting playoffs. They they also went five games against Milwaukee. Um, they kind of edged out a win there and then won in six games against both Philly and the Knicks to get to the finals. Um, the series itself, game one, the Reggie Miller um, goes one of 16 from the field. Shaq goes for 43 and 19. And the Lakers win pretty handily, 104-87. Game two is uh, where one of the big storylines comes in. Um, Shaq goes for 40-24, and 24, but Jalen Rose, early in the first quarter, uh, steps under Kobe on a jumper, which he later admitted to doing intentionally. Um, injures Kobe. Kobe goes out for the game. The Lakers win game two by seven, uh, but Kobe doesn't play in game three. You have to, I mean, just imagine how bad that ankle injury was for Kobe not to play. Yeah. Um, He doesn't play in game three, and this was a Kobe that was all defense. I believe first team all defense, and Reggie Miller and Jalen Rose proceed to go for 54 points in game three, and the Lakers lose. Um. Game four, I, I would imagine after that, there was no keeping Kobe off the court. Uh, he's clearly pretty hobbled at the beginning of the game. I found a quote from Shootaround the day prior. He's going through Shootaround, and they ask him, is there any chance you don't play in game four? And he goes, quote, are there any snipers in the room? No, so I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and so Kobe, the interesting thing they said at the start he actually didn't shoot any layups during the warmups because he wanted to save himself for the game because I assume he knew how much pain that was going to be. Um, one other interesting thing going into this game, for some reason Ron Harper absolutely ethered the uh, the Pacers. They show the quote at the beginning of the game. Um, during shoot-around, for some reason, he's laying on the media table looking up at the new Banker's Life Fieldhouse. It was Kinseco then. And he gives this quote, apropos of nothing, gives this quote, uh, quote, y'all can talk to me while I lay here, and, lay here and stare up at the roof. It's a nice roof. Lots of interesting beams, but no championship banners. And they're not going to get one here unless they steal one from some other team. <laughs> That was, again, apropos of nothing, that was after Game 3 that they just lost. But, uh, not wrong. He, he wasn't wrong. I don't know why he <laughs> felt the need to just destroy them like that. They they show before the game that it, it was the cliche bulletin board material. It's taped up on the bulletin board in the Pacer locker room. Um, and I, I don't know if it was that. I don't know if it was being in front of the home crowd, but... Uh, the Pacers came out on fire in this game. Uh, Rick Smits goes four four to start the game, and we will we will talk about him because Rick Smits played out of his mind 
in this game. <laughs> um, he goes 4-4. Four, four. The Pacers jump out to a big lead. Uh, there was a funny sequence at the beginning where Shaq is fouled. Um, in games two and three, Shaq missed 31 free throws. Missed 31 free throws. <laughs> and the broadcast kind of jokingly said they did the math. If Shaq had made every free throw, which obviously they wouldn't be fouling him if he's making them. If he'd made every free throw to that point in the series, he would have been averaging 51 points a game. Um, but yeah, the Pacers jump out to a huge lead. They're up double digits after one quarter. Shaq only had five points. Kobe only had two. Um, it was a really physical game, a whole bunch of fouls. Uh, but the Lakers kind of weathered the storm and it was actually a bunch of role players, a bunch of familiar role players that kind of pulled them back into the game. Uh, Robert Ory, Rick Fox and Derek Fisher, I believe all three off the bench um, come in that second quarter and give the the Lakers a spark. They get the lead down to three points um, by halftime. They never led in the first half, though. Uh, But Kobe and Shaq are both in foul trouble in the first half. They both have three fouls, um, which is a bit of an omen, as, as we'll find out to Shaq later. But Kobe then... 60 seconds in uh, to the, I want to say, third quarter, picks up his fourth foul. Um, And Phil Jackson did this a lot. He did it in this scenario. He left Kobe in. He left Shaq in when he got his fourth foul. And Kobe apparently just needed a fourth foul to go wild because he hits three straight shots. The Lakers go on a big run. Glenn Rice hits a three. They go. Up, they take their first lead with eight minutes to go. They keep that lead to the end of the third. Um, the fourth quarter got wild. <laughs> um, Reggie Miller caught fire, and I believe he had 13 points in the fourth quarter. He had him and Shaq basically are just trading points. Um, Reggie Miller's bearing. Well, first the Pacers, I think, used a 12 to two run to go up by five points, and then it's just Shaq and Reggie just trading baskets, literally possession after possession. Um, the, the, we'll we'll talk about some of the guys that were guarding Shaq this game, but Sam Perkins for some reason is the guy they went to for an extended stretch in the fourth quarter, and he was that poor man. It was his 39th birthday. And that poor man was just getting absolutely abused by Shaq. This is like prime, uh, physically dominant Shaq. And he could do absolutely nothing to to stop Shaq. Shaq is just burying him deep in the post and just turning and scoring at will. Uh, Kobe finally hits a jumper with uh, about 90 seconds left to put the Lakers up. Um. The Lakers had chances to ice this game away and at regulation, but Shaq and Ori both split free throws. And then, I mean, Sam Perkins kind of got, I don't want to say last laugh, but he hits a three with 30 seconds left to tie it. Um, And we head to overtime. And it's kind of, again, back and forth until 2.33 left. Shaq gets kind of a ticky-tack loose ball foul. He already had five. Um, he fouls out of the game there. At that point, the Lakers are up 
and Shaq fouls out with 36 and 21. Uh, just a ho-hum performance from him. Uh, and like I said, immediately, well, first, of all people to come in for Shaq, I th- you probably have the box score in front of you. Do you want to take a guess who they brought in um, to replace Shaq once he fouls out? Um, no. Uh, John Sally. Do- oh, God. <laughs> John, they bring in John Sally, who I may, I mainly only know from the best damn sports show, period. Uh, <laughs> he gets obliterated by Rick Smith. Smith immediately posts up, scores. Kobe comes down, isos against Reggie Miller, hits him with a little crossover, gets him back on his uh, heels, hits a jumper, and then turns and does the the now infamous kind of calm down, I got this celebration. Um, Smiths again scores. Kobe comes off a ball screen, pulls up off off the ball screen right, right inside the line, buries a jumper right in Mark Jackson's face. It, that produced the, at least to me, the the legendary line from Bob Costas where he just says, "How good is this kid?" Yeah. Um, and Lakers are up three again. Reggie gets two free throws with a minute left, and he was automatic in that series from the line. The next possession, Kobe's actually blocked at the rim. Um. Ball goes out of bounds. Glenn Rice gets it. He airballs it, but Brian Shaw, of all people, gets the offensive rebound put back to put him back up three. Smiths is fouled again, posting up John Sally. I don't know if you're getting a a pattern here. <laughs> um, 28 seconds left. He makes both. It's a one-possession game, or one-point game again. And then the other kind of infamous play from this uh, this game, the Lakers have the ball with a chance to ice it. Reggie Miller did a really good job, if you watch the, the possession, of denying Kobe. Kobe can't get the ball. Brian Shaw's forced to shoot a runner. Um, for as good as Reggie Miller did denying the ball, nowhere to be found on the rebound. Kobe gets the putback with five seconds left. It got a little dicey at the end because it would have been a three-point game, and they're actually talking on the broadcast about fouling before they get a three-up, which seemed ahead of its time. I wouldn't have even thought that they would have been discussing that. It didn't matter because Jalen Rose, just him and Reggie flopping all over the court. <laughs> I have that written down a couple times. But Jalen Rose <laughs> draws a dead ball foul. Reggie actually gets to shoot a free throw, and they get the ball back. So they're only down two. Reggie gets off a pretty good look from three that Ori defended pretty well. The shot hits back rim straight up, and the Lakers win. It was a wild fourth quarter in overtime. The first three quarters were bit of a slog but that game really picked up in the fourth quarter so we'll start off most rewatchable sequence um i really only had two candidates which i both mentioned honestly you could start the fourth quarter with about mm, eight minutes left maybe a little bit more nine minutes left and you could watch that whole fourth quarter and just be entertained and then the other one which i think probably has to be the winner it's just Kobe's takeover in overtime. Um, the final 233 of this game is just a 21-year-old Kobe on the road in the finals on a really bum ankle just deciding we're not losing this game. Yeah. Um, is that is that your choice, That just the Kobe takeover? Yeah, I think um, 
the if we're, if we're talking about one play, it has to be the Kobe crossover uh, with Reggie Miller guarding him. Um, I, I just think that's, that's such a legendary play. Uh, but yeah, overall, just Kobe Bryant's takeover. And um, I, I think when you think about like the epitome of Kobe Bryant and that mentality of like, we're not losing this game. I think when, when you talk about, or like when, when old school players talk about players having that dog in them uh, and that dog that LeBron James has been criticized for not having in the past. um, I think that's it. Like it really is just saying like, Hey, I may not be like physically 100%, but I know I'm capable of beating these guys. If I just, push through it and he was absolutely right like mm-hmm. whether he was 21 years old Kyle Kuzma's 23 20 I, I think he might even be 24 years old now um but yeah 24 years old put that into perspective Kobe Bryant being 21 years old and saying don't worry I got this like wait you you can count on me to close this game in overtime in the NBA finals like like what a what a player he was like physically and mentally i was trying to pull up someone who this would be just age-wise the equivalent to i'm I'm having a hard time i thought brandon ingram but he's actually 22 tatum's 22 um you would have to go to probably the maybe luca yeah uh luca's a little bit younger but i mean that gives you an idea of the type of player just age-wise. Um, now, Kobe came straight out of high school. This was his fourth or fifth year in the yeah. league. Um, but just to give you an idea of just how young, Trey Young, I think, is about that age. Um, yeah, Trey Young's probably a better example. This would be like Trey Young in an NBA Finals game, just being like, all right, this is me. I'm just hitting all these shots. Yeah. Um, Kobe, he, he started off rough. You could tell the ankle was bothering him, but... Uh, the fourth quarter, he or excuse me, overtime, he scores eight points, four or five. The only shot he missed was the one that was blocked. Uh, he scored 14 uh, in the second half. He uh, he he was really good in the the second half of this game. I I think if I had to pick one play, I don't even know that I'd pick a play. It's just one of my favorite memories is just him turning around after crossing over Reggie and bearing a jumper to kind of silence the crowd and just being like just that calm down like you guys I got this what were you thinking type of yeah. face that he has is <laughs> just incredible um what's age the best uh I'll start off just Shaq's utter dominance like they absolutely could not stop him um here's a list of guys who they tried to put on him throughout the game dale davis fouled out uh rick smith was in foul trouble the whole first half sam perkins we mentioned that poor man um he was the sacrificial lamb pretty much in the fourth quarter they kept making the argument like uh well if he's out there the Lakers have to worry about his shooting. And really there was only once one time that he even was able to stretch the floor. Now it was a really big (laughs) shot, but he was just getting bullied down low. And then Austin Crozier, that's a player I remember. I'm sure, I don't know if you will remember him. He was very average. Um, 
And a very old and washed Chris Mullen made a very brief appearance. Um, just kind of weirdly, they put him out there like, when people were in foul trouble. It was a just a mess of people, and Shaq just absolutely had his way. Uh, 36 points on 13 of 25 shooting. He missed a bunch of bunnies, uh, but he shot 10 of 17 from the line, which for Shaq is great. Uh, 21 rebounds, two blocks and two steals. It was it's incredible watching how good Shaq was in his prime. Yeah, oh, yeah. I it, just seeing him on the court. I think when you talk about there being another Shaq or the prospect of there being another player like Shaq, it is solely dependent on them being a physical specimen the way he was and the way he moved for his size, how athletic he was for a guy that big. It's just ridiculous. I can't think of one player his size that that moves the way he does. Like, I think the closest, and the gap is wide, so I don't want anybody to take this out of context, but the closest I've seen to that is Andre Drummond. And then before that is even, like, on a much smaller scale, both literally and figuratively, is Zion Williamson. Like Zion was a name I was thinking of. Just when you think of a guy that you look at him and you're like, there's no way he should be able to do what he does looking like that. And those are the two guys that come to mind. Uh, But yeah, I totally agree. The the thing that aged the best to me, uh, and I think it's partially because I was programmed via Twitter to believe otherwise, uh, is how good Kobe Bryant was defensively. Like, Mm -hmm. I think, when the the subject of Kobe Bryant making all defensive first second teams, um, the narrative around him is that like he was a little overrated on defense, and the fact that he played for the Lakers helped him a little bit get those awards. And I that was probably the case in some years, but not this year, man. Like the the way he chased guys off of screens and how wide he got into his defensive stats. Uh, stance and and was still able to close out shots like it's it's insane I again three years old watching this the prime Kobe Bryant I watched was you know 2009-2010 Kobe Bryant this version of Kobe Bryant was one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA and I I don't know that was that was really cool to see for me um just because again I think uh at at this point i think kobe bryant's a little underrated as a defender yeah this was he was all defensive first team in this season it was his first year making an all defense team he actually he was guarding jalen rose most of this game he switched on to reggie uh reggie goes just red hot in the fourth quarter and for a couple possessions he was on reggie but jalen rose the game before absolutely cooked glenn rice and uh, I was trying to pull it up. I want to say he had he had 21 points um, in that game, and most of them came in the second half um, in that Pacers win. So Kobe was on him, and Jalen Rose went 5 of 16 from the field, didn't make a three-pointer, got to the line a couple times, but... Um, that was a great one. I didn't have that down, but that is very, very true. This this version of Kobe was absolutely incredible athletically. Um, and it, as I said, he'd been in the league at 
for five years at this point. He'd seen a lot of things, and he had kind of indexed enough stuff to know what was coming and whatnot. Uh, the other one I actually had written down, Bob Costas and Doug Collins as announcers was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love listening to Bob Costas do play-by-play. I don't know why he doesn't do more of it now. Um, maybe he just doesn't want to, which is totally fair. Yeah, that's um, a problem, I guess, too. Yeah, those two, compared to the last game we watched with Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, uh, listening to these two was just night and day. There was no like long, completely off-topic rants. Doug Collins is really smart. Um he called out a couple different plays. He called out Sam Perkins's three uh, to tie the game late. Um, he was really good at, at at his job, and these two were both really good. And Casas, I mean, like I said, he gave a couple of incredible lines um, during the game. He was just so good. That was the other thing that aged best for me. If I had to pick, I would probably say just Shaq. Shaq just being a physical specimen is probably what aged the best for me. Yeah, I I wrote a story for Silver Screen and Roll the other day about Shaq, and I just watched tape on him, and I'm I I don't get it. I still don't get it. Like no. if this man made his free throws, he would have averaged forty points per game for a season. Like it's yes. it's insane. It was really weird too. They talked about it in the game. He had a high variance in his free throws. He was either really bad or really good. And he was really bad in game three. Um, and they did hack a shack a little bit in the fourth quarter. Um, game three, he was three of 13 at the line. Game four, he started something like nine of 11. He missed a couple down the stretch, fourth quarter and overtime, but... He had such a wild and weird variance to his free throws. He claimed he always made them when they counted. There's no splits. I looked for him, his fourth quarter free throws. Um, on this game, it sure seemed like he made them when they counted. What's aged the worst? I'll let you go first if you have anything on this. Honestly, I think I, I try to think of something better than this, but I, I look at it and I just don't understand it is the Pacers jerseys. Like when, <laughs> When you talk about throwback jerseys, I think this is pretty low on the list. Like, I'm sure it means a whole lot for Pacers fans because, you know, they were in the finals and it's a beloved team for for how far they went. I hate these jerseys. They're not good jerseys. I will say that you are you're dead wrong and everybody in Indiana loves them. <laughs> uh, I, I strongly dislike them. I, I like... I get the pinstripes. I get they were like a really big thing at the time. Um, and I don't mind the blue and yellow ones. The white and blue ones just don't look good. Or at least they don't look good on the broadcast. I've never seen these jerseys in person. But from what I from what I can see, I just I don't like them. I will agree. The blue, the dark blue ones look a lot better. It, there might be a, a certain sentimentality attached to it. Uh but everybody loves them. I think they had them as a throwback a couple within the last couple of years. Um, I would imagine it has to do largely with the fact that this is about the only finals team they've had maybe since they joined the NBA. Um, mm. 
that yeah i mean i didn't mind him maybe it's just because i've seen him for my entire life basically but i can't tell you how many reggie miller jerseys i saw that man is a hero in indiana (laughs) um but that's that's an interesting one i definitely like the blue ones more it's definitely not their best jerseys um i put (laughs) what age the worst not always having the score and time on the screen just oh. bugged the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I noticed that too. Um, I ha- I had the box score pulled up, and as I'm kind of taking notes, I just had to keep scrolling with the box score because the only time they bring the score up is after a score and like a few seconds after and whatnot, and they didn't even always do that. I don't know at what point it became standard to just have the uh, have the score on there all the time. I don't know why it wouldn't have been. Um, but that just bugged the hell out of me watching this game. Um, the only other thing I had written down, I was, I'd mentioned, I mentioned this to somebody as I was watching this tonight. It's wild that Jalen Rose doesn't take more hell for literally (laughs) intentionally injuring Kobe and admitting to it. Yeah. Um, it's already one of the dirtiest plays I think in basketball, stepping under someone. Um, because it almost always leads to a really bad ankle injury, and ankle injuries in basketball are the worst. Um, I was trying to find his exact quote. I didn't have it pulled up, but he admitted on a podcast in 2012 uh, on the ring, or well, Grantland, I guess, um, that he he did it on purpose. (laughs) And I would like to imagine that Kobe just kept that in the back of his head for however many years until uh, they played the Raptors when he scored 81 points on them. (laughs) Um, I don't know that for a fact, but uh, to me, that would be what's age the worst. It's just the fact that Jalen Rose stepped under Kobe, admitted he did it on purpose, and we don't talk about that enough. I'll tell you what else is age the worst. And it mostly has to do with where they're at now. Um, the first is Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson seemed like a likable and like pleasant person at this time. <laughs> uh, but seeing him on the court, even even just playing basketball, made me angry. Just because I dislike his commentary so much. Um, the other is the NBC Sports NBA theme. Uh, and it hasn't aged badly it's one of the most like iconic sports themes of all time um what has aged the worst is the decision not to use it (laughs) like i don't care how much money they have to pay to get that theme from from mbc but i i'll crowdfund it man that there's no better way to get ready for a national nba game than that theme you could easily get the money from people for that. I found the quote from Jalen, not to bring it back up, but this was on the Jalen and Jacoby podcast. Uh, Jacoby asked, did you purposely put your foot underneath him when he landed? Don't lie to me, Jalen. Don't lie to the people. Uh, Jalen says, I think I did it on purpose. And he said, you think you did it on purpose? You won't even cop to it? You won't even say, yes, I did, I think? He said, I can't say that it was an accident. <laughs> That's well, dirty as hell. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I definitely, I mean, I guess good for him for even like owning up to it. 
I don't think I would. <laughs> no. Uh, I like your hints. I'm going to go with Mark Jackson. <laughs> that is the worst <laughs> because he had to come onto the TV after that, and I cannot stand listening to games with him. Yeah, it is. I, I, what really bothers me is um, when Doris Burke does uh, sideline reporting, she'll get trending because I guess there's a, su- <laughs> a subsection of NBA Twitter that doesn't like her analysis. They're like, oh. I actually don't mind uh, Mark Jackson's analysis. I think he's really knowledgeable. I'm just like, what are you talking about? No, not at all. The subsection of people who think he's a, a good analyst and people who think LeVar Ball is a great father is just a circle. Um, I, 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 We're to the, the half-ass internet research. We're going to take our break here because this is going to be a wild ride after this one because I learned about... <laughs> A Glenn Rice, Phil Jackson rift that I had never heard about. Um, so we'll we'll take a break and we'll be right back after this. All right. So I kind of went down a bit of a rabbit hole doing this. Um, I was looking for quotes uh, about Kobe's ankle from back then, um, which I found the the sniper quote, the Pete Kobe quote. But they mention. In the article, it was actually a New York Times article by Chris Broussard. Um, the, that, <laughs> yes, that really? is a real sentence that I just said. <laughs> a New York Times article by Chris Broussard. Um, they mentioned that Glenn Rice was pretty unhappy. Because in Game 3, when Kobe's out, uh, Glenn Rice, who had come over the year before in a trade, was under the... Um, assumption that he would be the one to step up into the number two kind of scorer role. And he played one minute in the fourth quarter. (laughs) Uh, A minute 29, actually. And he was very, very upset. Uh, By all accounts, we obviously don't have the game. Some of you that are older that are watched this, a couple different articles I read... Jalen Rose was basically just cooking him in the third quarter. And Phil basically had enough. And he said he put in Rick Fox because they needed defense. And they the Lakers made a comeback. They ended up losing the game. But they made a comeback with Fox on the floor. So after game three, this is from Glenn Rice. Quote, you've got a lot of people talking about how Glenn Rice be, about Glenn Rice being the X factor. I cannot be a factor if I'm not in the ballgame. Um, in nine third quarter minutes against Glenn Rice, Jalen Rose was four of seven. (laughs) Glenn Rice comes out, Rick Fox goes in, Jalen Rose did not make another field goal that game. Uh, Seems good. Seems like a good adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. Got him back in the game. Maybe Phil knows what he's doing. Uh, this is again, Glenn Rice quote. Jalen's our top scorer. You're not going to stop him completely. I've got to do what I can do. If he gets screens and the help defense isn't where it's supposed to be, I have to do my best. But you're going to see me a more assertive and more aggressive and more determined Glenn Rice. He wasn't any of that in game four. Now, this is where it gets wild. Glenn Rice's wife was very upset that Glenn Rice did not play in the fourth quarter of, of game three. Uh, this was to Broussard again. He, this is in the New York Times. The article is online. Uh, Christina, I believe, is her name. 
she implied that Jackson had a personal vendetta against Rice, and she stated that if she were in her husband's shoes, she would have, quote, already been Latrell Sprewell, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Now, for those unaware, Latrell Sprewell choked a coach. Um, Jesus. He, I think it was when he was in Minnesota. I didn't look this part up. Somehow, all of this has flown entirely under the radar. This was on the record in, like, like I said, it was in the New York Times, this quote. Like, it wasn't some uh, out-of-nowhere small paper. Um, yeah, 1997, Latrell Sprewell was suspended 68 games for choking P.J. Carlissimo during practice. Um. Now, all of this, Glenn Rice kept saying, I'm not going to make a big deal about this, but he kept giving quotes about it. Yeah. He was traded that offseason uh, to New York. Um, I found a couple different articles. This man loved to continue talking about the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers, I guess, struggled a little bit in the regular season in, the next year. Um, and... Glenn Rice, I didn't pull up the exact quote. Glenn Rice said he was happy to see them struggling, and it, he didn't think it was a surprise. He also said that he thought they would have a better chance of winning uh, or of repeating if they had him. Uh, for those keeping track, they repeated without him. Um, <laughs> they repeated twice. <laughs> yeah. And on multiple occasions... Uh, it was the New York Post that I was reading this time. The New York Post interviewed him about Phil Jackson. On multiple occasions, he said he didn't want to keep talking about it while still going on record <laughs> and giving lots of quotes about it. Um, Glenn Rice was very much... The, the whole kind of genesis of it was the summer prior to this season, um, the Lakers really wanted Scottie Pippen. Phil Jackson, I should say, really wanted Scottie Pippen. He was in Houston. They were dismantling the team. He had signed a five-year, I want to say, $64 million deal. Um, and it was really odd. I read an article which quoted Jerry Buss talking about Scottie Pippen, the Portland Trailblazer, tampering rules be damned, um, just talking about the fact that they didn't think uh, – he would be very good in a couple of years, and they didn't want him. To, they didn't want to trade for him and be saddled with his contract. Um, but Phil Jackson apparently made it publicly known that he wanted Scottie Pippen, and Glenn Rice was not thrilled about it, um, saying that uh, saying that he was upset that they were trying to bring somebody into his spot. Um, yeah, here it is. They said, uh, Jerry Buss said, Scotty's a great player, and certainly for a year or two, it would have been the right thing to do. We would have probably had done it if it wasn't four years left on this contract, which all of it was just wild because, I mean, it shows how much the tampering rules have changed because Jerry Buss, the owner of the Lakers, is talking about Scotty Pippen, a active player on an opposing Portland team. Um, and nobody, nobody gave a damn. That was just a wild story that I kind of accidentally slipped into. It may be more common knowledge for older fans. I didn't know anything about this. 
Uh, Glenn Rice really did not like Phil Jackson. His wife hated him even more. It was just a wild story. Here, here's another thing I have been looking into since <laughs> you, you've been talking about this is did what propelled or like what compelled the Lakers to trade Eddie Jones for for Glenn Rice? Was it like did, did he have beef with the head coach or I think it was like in theory Glenn Rice as a shooter in the triangle would have been really good. Um, but Glenn Rice, I mean, he just never really settled. I mean, the year they, the year prior to trading for him, Glenn Rice was a 43% three point shooter. Um, I know they had mentioned in one of the articles at the time they thought Kobe was more of a small forward. Um, and they wanted to play him there more. I don't know if Eddie Jones is really blocking him there. I'm not sure. I just Eddie Jones wasn't quite as natural a fit. I know they they also talked about wanting to put shooting around Shaq, so I'd imagine it had to do with that, just trying to get a shoot more shooting around him. Now it didn't really matter because multiple times in this game, like Robert Ory's running into the post while Shaq has the ball and all five guys are around him. The spacing in this was still really bad, but I would imagine that would probably be what it is. Just on paper, Glenn Rice was a better fit as a shooter than Eddie Jones. Yeah, I mean, that's probably it. I'm also reading something um, via Uprox about him uh, saying that he was just tired of hearing his name in trade rumors. So he was ready for it, for that whole saga to be over. Eddie Jones was good. I liked um, Eddie Jones. It's so weird. When you look at these, like legendary Lakers championship teams with the exception of the Showtime Lakers, they really didn't have like a great point guard in any of them. Like the rotating, the, the, the guard rotation during the three P era was obviously not all at the same time, but it was Ron Harper, Glenn Rice, Derek Fisher, Tyron Lou. And I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. But regardless, like, right. how crazy is that? That of those players, like Derek Fisher ended up being the most impactful out of all of them. Mm-hmm. He had a big three in this game too. He was doing that even at this this point in his career. I should be probably noted as well. Glenn Rice was really good. He was yeah. on the tail end of his uh, prime when the Lakers traded for him. He was thirty two. But um, he was he, still like a great shooter in Charlotte. Yeah, and or he was 31, excuse me, but he was, when they traded for him, he was a year removed from being an all-star and all-NBA third team. Um, there was a couple articles I read that they were coming into the season, they were talking about those three as kind of a big three and three superstars. Um, Glenn Rice wanted a max extension which at the time, a max was $14 million a year. Um, That's like the, Evan Turner money. I think Evan he, Turner might actually make more. He may, he definitely makes more than that. <laughs> um, and the Lakers were basically like, nah, you need to actually prove that you're good. And he ended up, he ended up only set, or only signing for $9 million a year in New York. God, um, if, only, if only Glenn Rice played for, like, the present day Timberwolves where they just like 
as long as you promise to be good will give you that max extension (laughs) yeah it's basically what they said instead of pinky swearing with glenn rice that he get better they were just kind of like prove it and he didn't really get better and they traded him um that was just an odd saga uh greatest what if sliding doors moment there's only really one i could think of it was really just what if kobe didn't play yeah um for sure do you I mean, we saw Game 3 what happens when Kobe didn't play. Do you think the Lakers had much of a shot without him? Uh, probably not, just because of the amount of of shooting the Pacers had. Um, I think they, like, on paper, they had enough talent. If, if Assuming Shaq still fouled out and Kobe didn't play um, to win that game and probably steal the series if, if Kobe was out. Shaq's obviously dominant. Like of like, uh, even noting that the Pacers were very talented on paper, the order of talent in that game was Shaq, a very large gap, and then everybody else. Like, oh, make yeah. no mistake. Um, but I I think they still would have run into the same problems with foul trouble, and at a certain point, I think Indiana would just would have lived with fouling Shaq and make him earn his points at the free throw line. Um. So yeah, and, and and in terms of shot creation too, unless Glenn Rice just, you know, finally got the chance to prove himself, um, you're looking at a roster with not a ton of shot creation outside of Kobe and Robert Ory. Which, by the way, I made like uh, I I shouldn't say I alone. A lot of people made kind of the Robert Ory comparisons with Kyle Kuzma going into the season, like what an impactful player he could be off the bench. Robert Ory was a walking bucket. Like he was really good. If you left him open anywhere on the floor, particularly from mid range, um, it it went in. That was crazy. That's another thing that aged well to me is um, Robert Ory not being a superstar player, but being a superstar role player. Like that is nutty. He's probably in the pantheon. It'd be a weird list to probably make on the fly, but of just the greatest role players. Um, yeah. He would be really high up there because he did it for – he was on three different title-winning teams, basically playing the same role every time. Um, when, you, when you think about that pantheon of role players, I think what puts him ahead of just about everybody else is the fact that he did it at the highest level. Like, mm-hmm. you look at guys like Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams, just like six-man guys. Um, but, again, have, haven't done it at the highest level. Uh, Derek Fisher is another one that's just like a role player that was a superstar in like the one thing he did. Danny Green's probably up there too um, for his time with the Spurs and the, the Raptors. Um, that, we're getting a little off topic, but that that is a good discussion that I think um, you should tweet about and, and start that discussion. The... Nerd corner, there's just a couple things. One, Reggie Miller, they mentioned going into the fourth quarter, was 0 of 7 from the field in the first three games from in the fourth. Uh, Reggie Miller went absolutely bonkers in the fourth quarter. Uh, he finished with, or he went 6 of 8 from the field, 4 of 5 from 3 in third quarter, and, or fourth quarter in overtime. Um, he was unconscious, like... It was wild watching some of the shots he was hitting. Uh, honestly, 
I kept watching this game just thinking how good Reggie Miller would be in today's NBA. He yeah. was already really good. Um, he was made for the current NBA. So, as I mentioned, Shaq finished with 35 and 21, 36 and 21 this game. That's only happened 35 and 20, 14 times in a finals game. Shaq did it twice in this series. Uh, he did it four times from 2000 to 2004. Uh, the other thing, he there have only been six occurrences of a 40-20 game. Shaq has two of them. Um, oddly, or maybe not oddly, the name that appears the most on that list is Elgin Baylor. Um, I tweeted about it randomly earlier. Some of you may have saw, but the 1962 NBA Finals, seven-game series against Boston, Elgin Baylor averaged, trying to pull it up here, um, 40.6 points and 17.9 rebounds in a seven-game series. That man, I tweeted at the time, might be the most underrated player in the NBA history. Um, but Shaq also, just incredibly dominant this series, in this stretch, this kind of four-year stretch starting this season in this game through probably the Piston series was just his athletic, well, just all-around prime. Uh, Dion Waiters Heat Check Award. I think there's a runaway winner. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's Rick Smith's. Um, he came into the series through the first three games. He had 22 points. He scored 24 in this game and started five of five from the field. He was unconscious. Uh, he was, he got the place going wild in the first quarter because he literally could not miss. The Lakers had to switch Shaq onto him, and then he got Shaq into foul trouble. Like, it was absolutely wild watching Rick Smith's this game. Uh, is there anybody – I have a couple other names. Is there anybody you have uh, that could even contest with him? Absolutely not, no. not. I could not. So, these two are distant second and thirds. Robert Ory, honestly, I don't even know if you'd call it a heat check, though. I mean, he had 17 points, 17 points, 6 rebounds – that, as you mentioned, was another thing that aged well, just watching him. I don't even it, – it's almost kind of a – that's kind of what he did, though. It almost feels like a bit of a disservice to call it a heat check. The other one, for one play alone, Travis Best, uh, the backup point guard, had a bit of a – in the second half, was playing decently – for some reason, Larry Bird kept him in for the final possession uh, of regulation. He comes off a ball screen, has Shaq switched onto him, and decides with Reggie Miller on the team having just absolutely on fire in the fourth, Jalen Rose, who was on fire the game before, Rick Smits, who we've mentioned how good he's been, Travis Best decides, nah, fam. I'm going to ISO with the game on the line and shoot an air ball that's about a foot short of the rim on Shaq. For that alone, I think he deserves a mention because that was incredible to watch. He gave the Lakers a chance to win the game because he decided to ISO. 
Uh, he went to the bench and did not play in overtime after that play. Um, I'm sure he got a nice word from uh, Larry Bird during overtime. He went to the bench, got some ice on his shoulder, made it look like that was the problem. Um, but Rick Smith wins this one ha- hands down. Uh, just a couple more here. Unintentional comedy moment. There were fans that were... I don't know how loud the volume was when you when you were watching. There were fans sitting right next to them, either on court mic or the camera, who were just screaming at the officials about Shaq the whole game. Uh, they There were a couple times where they were just counting aloud how long they thought Shaq was in the paint, wanting three seconds called. Um, they yelled at the ref to get glasses at one point, and they had a stretch where they decided to yell about Shaq being or illegal defense on Shaq a couple possessions in the fourth. Um, shout out to whoever that assuredly drunk fan was um, because he was his voice has lived on because he was very loud for most of that game. Um, I have no broadcast complaints because I think, like I mentioned, that was like the ideal broadcast. Yeah. Um, Funniest in-game promo, there weren't really many because it was a very chopped up version on uh, Hardwood Classics. I did laugh. They did a promo for the upcoming 2000 U.S. Open. Um, I believe it was at Pebble Beach and talking about how deep the field was. And they obviously mentioned Tiger, but they talked about how competitive that was going to be. I looked it up because I thought this was the case. Tiger Woods won that event by 15 strokes. Um, Apex Mountain. I have a couple of names down. I'll let you start first. Do you think this was anybody's Apex Mountain? Um... Huh, because that's a tough question, because I, I, I was thinking about the series as a whole, and I think this was probably one of Shaq's most dominant final series of all time. You looked at you look at the numbers he put up, uh, like him averaging, what was it, 38 points per yeah. game, um, yeah. and the second highest scoring player on the team was Kobe Ryan at 15.6 points per game. Um, what's crazy to me is I think the last person to put up, like for there to be such a gap between the first and second leading scorer was actually Kobe Bryant in 2009 during that magic series. Like he just went ballistic and I think average, uh, it might've been 28 points per game. Let me double check that. Um, I'm sorry. No, it was 32.4. Um, Mm -hmm points per game and pow averaged 18.6 so uh a pretty pretty wide margin between the first and second leading scorers um and that's why i think Shaq was just so 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 good and i think he really really wanted that series too yeah Shaq's one i might down um i think the the blend of athletically and kind of mentally I think there's a f- pretty fair argument that this was him at his prime. Yeah. Um, there was that stretch in the fourth quarter where it almost seemed, it was kind of odd watching it. Cause I thought at times Shaq would have guys posted up and the Lakers would just kind of ball fake to him and turn and throw it the other way. And the fourth quarter, that stretch where it was like, okay, well we really need to score now. 
It was just run down, Shaq pinned his guy, throw it into him, turn, basket. And that yep. was like four or five possessions in a row. I I had written the stat down. I, I think I may have deleted it. But uh, he either scored or assisted, I want to say, 16 of the first 20 points of the fourth quarter. Um, And it was just into the post. He was really good passing out of the post. And it wasn't even necessarily like he had a really good understanding of like a hockey, the hockey assist. Like he knew if he passed to this guy, that guy would move it over. And that, and this person over here would have a wide open three. Um, I, I, I would say this is probably Shaq's apex mountain. I did write down, <laughs> I'm not, I didn't do a lot of research. I wrote Rick Smith's. I can't imagine this man had a better game. <laughs> um, I didn't actually look to see if he did have a better game. Some of the shots he was hitting, especially in that first quarter, um, were wild. And then he was the benefactor of a random, well, not random, but a John Sally appearance that uh, I don't know. I mean, that that might have been what it aged the worst is the Lakers having absolutely no backup to Shaq. Um, no, it, Rick Smith apparently was a walking bucket. I know he's the dunking Dutchman, but I guess this probably isn't his apex mountain, but it was just a random, really good game. Um, I actually wrote down, this one is kind of controversial. I wrote Reggie Miller. Um, I would say there might've been, I mean, there were seasons where he probably averaged more points. There definitely were, but I almost think I don't want to say we forget how good he was. I think he kind of slides under the cracks or through the cracks sometimes. Is like people only remember him as a shooter, and he was a lot more than that. Um, in this game, he had a couple of nice uh, takes to the rim, a couple step backs. Um, this was I was trying to pull up. Oh, I scrolled past it. Playoffs. This was the most games he played. Um, which is not surprising because it's his only trip to the finals. Uh, he averaged in 22 games um, 24 points, which isn't his most, but considering the amount of games he played, uh, it was a very respectable amount. He shot 39% from three. He probably was better at, at other points in his career. Some of those Knicks series... This might not have been his apex. Maybe this was just his really good, really good mountain. But yeah. I just thought it was worth mentioning because he was – I had just kind of forgotten how good he was as a player. So last question, wrap it all up. Who won the game? Um, I'm going to go out on a, on a limb and say Kobe Bryant. <laughs> yeah. Kobe was incredible down that down that stretch. Um. I can't say enough about that overtime, man. Just the stakes, the fact that he's 21 and just like, this is mine. I Kobe's definitely the winner. I think Shaq probably won this whole series, so he was his name probably got to be in there. But yeah, just if we're talking singular game, it was Kobe. It's one of the earliest memories and one of the lasting memories uh, people have of him is this series um, in that fourth quarter, that overtime. That's all we got. That game was a lot of fun to rewatch. Um, I, 
I look, there aren't many other games from those three-peat teams. We might have to find some other games on YouTube or something because, like I said, it was really fun watching Froby. Um, and Shaq. Like, well, yeah, definitely Shaq. Shaq is very good. Like, I, like obviously not. I, I don't think he's in the greatest of all time debate, but the most dominant player to ever play just physically i think he's at the top of that list i will say i think i've tweeted something similar at his prime there was nobody as physical or as physically dominant as Shaq was just unstoppable there's literally there was a possession i didn't write the time down it was inside of two minutes in the fourth quarter where he came down and got post position on Dale Davis, and literally the only thing Dale Davis could do was just wrap his arms around him to draw the foul. Like, they did that multiple times. Travis Best, <laughs> I was, I laughed multiple times at that man. I don't remember him. I was a, I don't want to say Pacer fan. I was aware of the Pacers as a kid. Uh, I don't remember him at all, but he had a play. He got called for a flagrant foul on Shaq, in which they were in transition. Shaq's under the basket. He gets a pass. 5'11", 180-pound Travis Best, running full speed down the court, runs, jumps, and grabs both of Shaq's arms. It's late in the game, so because they're sweaty, he slips off, does a full flip, and lands on the ground on his back. He gets called for a flagrant foul, and Shaq's just standing there looking at him. It was a hilarious sequence. Uh, but yeah, Shaq just at his prime. I want to find some more games. Maybe we can find some from that Sacramento series that everyone wants to, likes to talk about or some of these other games during this 3 Pete era um, because Shaq was just absolutely incredible. And Kobe, Froby was a lot of fun to watch. Those two, I mean, they were really good together. It's hard not to watch them and think what could have been. But, uh, yeah, those two, those teams, I don't think – I know a lot of people have talked about what would happen if Shaq was in today's NBA. Just watching this game, he would be an absolute nightmare. Like, he's just the type of player that, like, transcends the game style. Like, nobody's going to be able to stop that man, even in today's NBA. So that's all we have. Uh, We thank you guys for tuning in as always. Again, if you have any suggestions for games to watch, let us know. uh, Because this is, I mean, I enjoy doing this. Uh, This is probably what we're going to do for the next couple of podcasts. So long as there's no Laker news or NBA news to talk about. So if you have any suggestions, some of the games are on Hardwood Classics. We might go even further back into the archives, watch some of the Showtime Laker games. But, um, yeah, let us know. Leave a rating, uh, comment. Let us know what uh, what games you want to watch us do or listen to us do next. So, for Christian, this is Jacob signing off. Have a great one, everyone.